Hey everyone, this is Luke. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to preface this by saying that this is an old recording, and Mal and I got a chance to talk back in January of 2021 with different microphones and a different setup. So it's not up to the quality standards that I would like audio-wise, but substance and conversation-wise, it is exactly what I'm looking for. I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you stay to the very end of the episode, there's a little treat for you. So have fun, you guys. For me, what, what makes a good song is when the artist can eloquently say something that helps the listener process something that they otherwise couldn't. And like, it doesn't always have to be super clever lyrics. It doesn't always have to be, I don't know, like very traditional songwriting, but but there there is a requirement as far as I'm concerned for the artist to be extremely vulnerable. And I think that a lot of people are, are trading glamor for vulnerability. It's unfortunate because we have a responsibility as artists, whether you write top 40 pop or whether you write just for your mom in your garage, like if you're deciding to put something out into the world and people are gonna listen to it, you are an accomplice in training society how, on how to like process their emotions. What's up, everybody? If you haven't heard by now, Luke has a podcast. That's right. You're listening to it. I'm Luke. This is my podcast created from the depths of my brain for a fun outlet to chat about the things I like with friends I like. On this week's show, I am interviewing an artist known as Mau Mau Mau. He is a Mexican-American singer-songwriter graduated from Berkeley College of Music and has been writing music since he was in high school. Uh, so we talked about his career, how he was going to be an engineer or an architect and then just felt this deep calling and longing in his, in his heart and life to try and become a musician. And his parents saw that and supported that and encouraged him to like, you know, if you want to do this, give this a try. Apply to the school see what happens if they say no they say no but he got in uh so we talked about that we talked about his latest singles that have come out his music videos that were made during 2020 at the time of this recording i'm recording this in january of 2022 i recorded the interview with mao in 2021 and i think it's a great interview i think it's a great time with mao you guys are gonna get some good pieces out of it even though it may be a little bit dated he still has a lot of great things to talk about and say, so I hope you guys enjoy that. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to tell you a little bit about what's been going on in my life lately, so y'all can get to know your host a little more. I picked up running again, which has been really nice. If you didn't know, I burned my legs with scalding, boiling water at work in November. So I couldn't be active really at all. <laughs> and then December came around and I'm from SoCal. So I'm a wimp when it comes to the cold. So I just didn't want to get out and run and my legs were still hurting. And then I had a little cough and a runny nose and a sore throat. And then I was like, I, I'm not going to run. I'm not healthy enough. I'm not feeling it. But finally, this last week, I've been feeling healthy enough to get out there and uh, move my body. I've just been feeling tired and lethargic. Maybe because it's the new year and feeling like 2022, y'all, it's a new, new year, new me type thing. So it, fe it feels good to run again. And if anyone is on Strava, add me. We can keep each other accountable and challenge each other. I'm all about competition. And so if anyone wants to get into a running competition, maybe we could set up some reward system for the winner. Like five, everyone puts five bucks in, whoever has the most miles at the end of the month uh, wins the pot or like top three. I don't know. That'd be fun to do to keep it uh, challenging and encouraging. All, all about health and striving to do forward, do things, uh, trying to have a better routine, a healthier routine in my life. And actually tonight as I was going for a run, I realized that there's all these ideas of what a perfect week would look like or a perfect, it, if I was doing my, my, my week in my life perfectly, what that would look like hitting every, 
every mark that I would want to hit. So I'm texting and calling my parents every day, talking to my brother. I'm checking in with my friends and having conversations with two friends a week, like genuine conversations a week. I'm going to work. I'm showing up on time. I'm cooking and meal prepping for the week so that I'm not eating out all the time. And my budget is going down. My wallet looks okay. I'm not impulse buying that new wrestling merch that I saw because GCW has some new sweatshirts. I'm like, that is a sick design and I really want it. Even though I just impulse bought a Gentleman Jervis shirt because it's really cool and limited edition. <laughs> you know, there's like this ideal week that I want to have. And it's so easy to guilt yourself for not hitting every single mark. Like, dang, I didn't do all these things. I didn't do all these things. But it's better to think about, okay, what things did you do instead? In essence, you're going from like one or two of the things that you'd like to be doing maybe once or twice a week, but it's a journey to get there. You're not going to get there overnight. I need to start with small changes and celebrate the fact that I went for a run because I felt like going for a run. Now, the next step would be going for a run when I don't feel like going for a run. Like that's the next step I'm going to have to battle. For a long time, I didn't want to go for a run. So this is a huge step forward. And once this becomes a normal rhythm, there's going to be another thing that I'm going to be slowly adding into my rhythms and habits of life. And you can do it too. So don't beat yourself up if you're not doing everything that you wanted to do every week. Life is a process and you will get there. Before we get to our conversation with Mao, our our converse my conversation with Mao, I'd like to introduce to you an album that I have been excited about for a couple years now. It is by a group called Wildcat Wildcat. Their album No Moon at All came out in 2014. I found out about this from my friend Jason Quijada, uh, my buddy from Fresno. We've gone to Outside Lands many years together another music junkie we've seen death cat for cutie and muse and gosh so many artists we always we're always sharing like music with each other so it was one of those times of the year where i was like i am bored and tired of my music catalog and library that i'm listening to like give me something new posted it on facebook it's like dude check out wildcat wildcat this album is fire you're gonna love it and he was not wrong uh it's one of my albums that i listened to from front to back no skips when i was touring with hearts like lions it is one of my favorite go-to albums when i was doing the night drives it'd be like one in the morning stars are out it's bright nobody's on the road put this album on and just like jam out to it as I cruise on the road. I haven't kept up with what they're doing now, um, but at least this album fits along the lines of that like 2010, 2011, 2012, like electro indie rock pop band uh, with like reverby vocals and syncopated drum grooves and bass lines, some nice synths and keys arpeggiating, but it is beautiful. It is exciting. It will get your emotions caught up in it. So anyways, if you're looking for a new album to listen to, check out Wildcat Wildcats, No Moon at All. It's something for a fan of, if you like group love, St. Lucia, Hunter Hunted, Mating Ritual, Vacationer, that type of stuff, you'll really dig this one. That is my music recommendation for the week. And without further ado, let's send it over to our conversation with Mao. For people who don't know Mao, um, Mao is making music under the moniker Mao Mao Mao. He is a Mexican singer, songwriter, and producer based in Los Angeles, California, bringing together an eclectic assortment of influences and sounds to create catchy dance pop numbers and emotive indie pop tunes alike. Um, Mao Mao Mao's goal is simple, to encourage the underdog, to make people dance and feel some feelings. Um, You're not afraid to explore the darker side of the world. You keep it real while inspiring an air of positivity. 
and you encourage the underdogs, touching on the complexities of social injustices, anxieties, tech addiction, the intricacies of relationships and communication. And this exploration can be felt in your music, allowing a powerful connection with listeners to create a community of encouragement and unity. Um, that's that's a brilliant bio that I think is honestly of any mission of an artist. I love seeing what you're what you're writing in there to encourage the underdog, encourage unity and connection between people. Um, how did you come up with those items that you wanted to hit uh, in in writing this bio on this theme of Mao Mao Mao? Bios have always been been really hard for me to fathom and I respect people that write them for a living because you know I think it's really hard to nail down someone's motto or someone's like goal in art um, and I think it's constantly shifting and so that'll probably change in, in, in the next like five ten years but um, I think it, it, it's been a long time coming that I've tried to decipher and, and pinpoint exactly why I write music and how I connect and, and I think the underlying theme has always been to uh, to use my art to improve my life and hopefully to connect with other people that want to improve theirs. And that, that can sometimes be a really painful process through acknowledging really awkward things that we all fall into, or, or it can be a really happy process where you just get to highlight some of the victories in your life. And um, and I guess the, the underdog thing uh, came together because... Um, I feel like that's that's like the human thing, like whether it's love or, or work or finances or whatever the heck you have going on in your life, like you're, you can't be number one forever. And if you're not number one, you are or feel like the underdog at some point in your life. And, and I think that like everyone is in a constant battle for their lives and, and like in, in justifying what they do and justifying who they are and who they want to be. And that just felt like why I write music. Like I've, I've always had a constant struggle with myself and with, you know, insecurities and, and, and like, it's weird cause I'm making art, but I'm always competing with someone and it's an unknown face. And so like, it always seems yeah. like the odds are against you. Um, and everyone's all kind of on the same boat. And so, uh, at some point I was talking with somebody and they're like, so what's your motto? And I was like, I don't know. Like, and somehow the underdog thing came up, although, I would like to make a correction because somebody, uh, my little brother, who is also a writer, pinpointed that like, you, the underdog is not a perpetual state. The idea of the underdog is that at some point you feel like you have the odds going against you, but the the drive is to not be the underdog. And so, I, I've I've recently changed my bio and a lot of the stuff to to read. Um, I, I write music to encourage anyone who's ever felt like the underdog, just so that it it, it kind of encourages people to not live in a per- perpetual state of like of um, I guess victimization of like I, I it's not fair for me, but instead to live a life of like the odds are against me, and this inspires me to push harder. And so. Um, that's been a nice little difference that I think has also opened a lot of like perspective for me to be like, I can't live thinking that I'm the underdog. I I have faced that whether it's in relationships or in the music industry or whatever, but the goal isn't to be the underdog. The goal is to find success and and happiness and and all that stuff. And so, yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's been a fun journey. I I love that you pointed that out of the, you know, the underdog is a state of mind that you choose to live in and, and uh you know decide that you can relate to as being but it's not the the point isn't to like view yourself as the underdog it's a state of mind that you can relate to and feel as and the yeah, point is to be encouraged to you know you're not always the underdog and there is possibility that that's not you forever um that's cool i love that man well thanks thanks for explaining that um, so before we get into any deeper stuff, can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got interested in music? Yeah, um, I guess it's a long story and I love to talk, so and we only have like an hour, so I'll, I'll try to condense it. Basically, yeah, there's a lot of other questions. There's so many questions like, we want to get to. Talk so much on, but <laughs> I just sure, want to sure. give people context for you and your life, right, and right, where right. you came from. 
Um, so I'm, I'm from Mexico, born and raised. I had a weird upbringing though, because when I was six years old, my, my father got the opportunity to be like the director of sales or something. To this day, I still don't know what it was, and I was young and I never asked. And it, I, he probably did ask, but I, I, I had ADD, a really, really intense case of ADHD. And so, but uh, we moved to the States, and I, I lived in Williamsburg, Virginia for six years of my life. Um, which is this beautiful, like, small town. It's not that small because it's got, like, Colonial Williamsburg, which is a huge tourist attraction, and, like, it's got Bush Gardens and all this stuff. Um, and when we were there, uh, my second grade teacher told my mom, like, your kid is unteachable. He He's, like, not a functioning member of society. Um, he can't be taught. Like, he needs help. And so they were going to kick me out of school at second grade. <laughs> Oh my gosh, already labeling you already. as someone. Yeah, the underdog, man. <laughs> um, but it was it was really interesting because my, my parents, um, you know, they they decided to step in and be like, what? okay, what is what is going on with our child? I was always kind of problematic. Um, but then they, um, they luckily enough, and, and this is totally like a God thing or a coincidence, whatever you believe in, I believe it was God, but we moved to Williamsburg, Virginia and like a year and a half in this problem comes up. And so they look towards the learning disabilities. Like does our kid have learning disability? And at this point, like they, they researched it and turns out that the national Institute of learning disabilities is in Richmond, Virginia. And so like out of all places in the world and in America, like it was, it was a 45 minute drive away from where we lived. And so got the test turns out that I I I, uh, I had this crazy um, high IQ but it was it was all very like I was very distracted and to this day I, I still think I carry a lot of that on but they were discovering ways of, of treating it long story short music was the only thing that that was it was the first time that I felt like people understood all the jumbled ideas that I had in my brain I had a really hard time seeing people eye to eye. I had a really hard time expressing myself and putting ideas together, you know, to make like um like a sen make sense in a sentence and and I was really intense and hyperactive and stuff and so it wasn't it wasn't actually until way later after we moved back to Mexico that that I discovered this but but um the drums were my first instrument and and it it demanded my focus, you know, because drummers have to control yeah, four limbs separately. Four limbs. Yeah. Um, and I, I got good at that. And then, uh, my dad, thank God is also this fantastic lover of music. And so he, you know, he, he played me everything oh, from my like, dad's with loving music. And my dad's a weird one. My dad got me into music, man. man. Dude, my dad plays such a weird role in my music life. Um, cause he's, he's someone that I respect a lot. And at the same time who kind of like traumatized me and we'll get to that in a sec, but basically, um, Interesting. He, uh, he, he, he showed us like everything from the Mars Volta to Britney Spears to like Shaggy and, and like he had such a wide range wow. of like pop music and um, I never really thought that music was going to be my thing until like the first time I wrote a song which was when I was like 13 and, and um, I felt like when I played it for someone they, they, they'd understand what I felt even though now like thinking back on the song it made no sense lyrically. Did you play that? Did you write that song for anyone specifically or just like get ideas out of your mind? What, yeah, what, what yeah. What was that first song? I love hearing people's first songs. My first song was a breakup song um, that my first my first love was when I was 13 years old and her name was uh, Daniela Nunez and she was like the only blonde chick in Mexico it seemed like. And she was the most attractive girl in our school and I was this little nerdy kid that dreamed that, you know, oh my God, hopefully she sees me and she did and we dated for a month and a half and um and then it took me three years to get over her and during those three years i wrote oh, my wow. first song <laughs> <laughs> hey it began your journey to it began my right journey now. i mean before then you know like i, I loved music and I, I was trying to figure out what instrument to play but um i didn't know how to play guitar yet i didn't I sucked at piano bass was my go-to uh harmonically okay um at this point because i was like i was like i already learned everything i need to learn about drums i can now move on to bass and very <laughs> at ignorantly 13 <laughs> at 13 years old uh and i i had a band in in this school too and oddly enough um i think the first band name was Fuser, which ended up breaking up but eventually wow. we, we we came up with the name nightlights and my first my second band was called nightlights um what it was a band in Mexico, and and somehow it ended up being the band that I'm still in today. <laughs> How nuts is that? Wait, 
is there a through line of like nightlights when you're 15 to nightlights today or it just you just took the name i took the name and and and, and proposed it and it was a working title that nobody was convinced of and that kind of just stuck eventually and i feel like that's a common kind of how it goes kind of how it goes but i mean conceptually oh. i like the name nightlights because of what it stood for for me which like it was this childish or not childish infantile innocent way of viewing like light and darkness because when you're a kid you see you see the nightlight and you're convinced that it's going to protect you from monsters which right. makes no sense because if monsters exist and they're hor- as horrifying as they are a little nightlight will not keep them from but as a kid you're convinced yes there are monsters right. and yes this nightlight will protect me from it because you can see them at least if yes. i know it's coming for me i have a chance at least yeah but for me it wasn't even that it was like if they see this nightlight they will run for the hills you know and like i was convinced okay. you know yeah. and so that kind of that that's that's where the initial name started and then it became a little more like a spiritual and and religious and then it became just straight up spiritual um and uh and then it became just like a mantra of like i want to be a light onto the world and even if it's a tiny little light like maybe that'll inspire other people and if yeah. enough people become little night lights the world's gonna shine you know that was kind of the i love that concept but anyway so um long story short adhd made me feel connected and it was the first time that i was like there's a way to speak without speaking and that's music um yeah. and then eventually i got really obsessed with wow. lyrics and now now I, I, I'm, I'm a songwriter, which, so the story about my dad real quick before we move on. Oh, okay. My first song, I played it for him and the butthole straight up said like, like he was like, I've heard this song before, write something original. And ever since then, I've had this obsession to write stuff that's out of the box. And, and I know, I know where it came from, but still I, I like, I admire my dad for saying that because it's what kind of drove me to be like, ah, that sounds too typical. Let's let's yeah. throw like an organ in there and, and in like, a sense, and... like that's that that makes that makes sense. Like it it sucks in the moment hearing your dad say like that's you know that's not play me something original. I've heard that song <laughs> yeah, before. God, yeah. As in a way, as horrible as that is to say, like it convinced you and pushed you in a, in an area to always think what's out of the box, what's different, what's new. Yeah. And honestly, to get noticed as a musician, as a band today where everybody and their mom is making music in their bedroom you gotta be playing something different and unique yeah and and i think i think that's been the really hard part because it's even the ununique stuff sounds somehow like even the unique stuff now sounds a little ununique i don't don't know how to say it other than like i i feel i feel like like you have to have an obsession with like wanting to be different which is weird and and i'm trying to fight that now because i think it's it's kept me up at night but um interesting but now now it's it's this wonderful thing where it's like i i truly feel like you can hear me through a playlist if you if you listen to my music you'll be like oh this this is a little weird yeah you definitely stand out amongst the different people that that play there yeah and i'm I'm stoked i think i think that that's a I think it's getting easier to write a, write songs and and for people and and I just I'm obsessed with writing songs that people haven't heard before and so that's yeah. that's what led me to to start Mao Mao Mao. Amazing, and so uh, what what convinced you to go to Berkeley and so yeah what what made you decide to go to Berkeley and then how do you think that Berkeley shaped you as an artist and a musician? Uh, that's that's a good question. Um, I actually studied mechanical and electrical engineering. Didn't finish the the the, the bachelor's degree, but that was my first choice in Mexico. And um, I was I was miserable, man. I mean, I love I love physics. I love science. I love I love math and chemistry and all the all the things that come with studying an, an engineering course. But it it was just it's so dense and it was far above my concentration level that like I I failed like programming one. Um, wow. like twice and, and, yeah. and I had to cheat my way through it. I'm not proud of it, but I like, I was like, I can't do this. I need someone's help who gets it because it's a, it's a language, man. And it's a tough language. If you get it, you yeah. get it. If you don't, it's tough. But, um, I respect those people who can put themselves through that and get it. So mad, mad respect to you for trying and going through that, man. Thanks, man. I, I mean, and, and it, it, it definitely gave me this, uh, engineer's mentality of problem solving, which I, I'm very grateful for, but, but, um, so 
when I decided to drop out, my parents were super, super um, supportive. What's up, Gathry? Um, oh, Guthrie, what up, bro? And uh, <laughs> so I was in, I was in college, and, and and my parents saw that I was miserable, and I, I was like, I think I need to drop off. He's like, Yeah, we support you. Like, we don't look happy, and we want, we just want you to be happy. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. My, my my dad is is of the mindset of like they're both my parents are engineers, but uh, my dad is of the mindset of like if you're gonna do something, even if it's crazy and out there, do it right. And yeah, so yeah. right. So uh, well, Berkeley awesome. Berkeley was the only school that I I knew of that was like contemporary and that had a songwriting course, and that's all I wanted to study because I I I've never thought that I'm a good singer. I've never thought that I'm a good musician in the traditional sense. I didn't grow up in, in you know, high school in the States, there are, there's jazz band and you have all these potential um, opportunities to like learn and, and deal with music and, and learn how to improvise and stuff. And I never had that. It was all just through sheer power of will and passion. And so um, Berkeley was the only school I, I looked to and it was like, when I dropped out, I told my parents, like, I know what I want to study. And they were like, good. We've been waiting for you to say this. Music is your thing. And I was like, yeah, I want to study industrial design. And they were like, no, like, go do music, man. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So your parents actually convinced you to go study music? Basically. Well, my mom, my mom is, is a very, um, she's a very sound Christian. And so she, you know, she, she brought up the, the, the Bible and God. And she was like, yo, like, pray about it. Just choose one school. And it, that's a tough feat, right? Like, usually you apply to many. So, like, choose the one school right, you want to yeah. go to, apply, and if you get accepted, take it as a sign of God. And, and I was like, all right, I'll put that to the test. And, and Berkeley was the only place I applied to. And it was funny, I showed up, and my original instrument, because you have to choose an instrument to get into Berkeley, was a guitar. And we were in the waiting room, and I was hearing other guitarists warm up. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting into this school if I apply as a guitarist. There's no freaking way. And so, uh, oh my gosh. so I ended up going into the audition and I told the, the, the judges or, you know, the, the auditioners, I was like, yo, uh, it says guitar in there, but I changed it and didn't go through, I think, but it, I'm applying as a vocalist and they're like, ah, we don't usually do this, but okay, it must be a system thing. And, <laughs> and so they, they changed okay. my, they changed my instrument. And luckily enough, like the song that I came, came in with was a song I wrote and it was, it was like my fourth or fifth song. It's called Lovesick, and uh, it's actually on YouTube, which is crazy. My older brother uploaded it at some point, like the trip That's we took awesome. to L.A. to to apply to Berkeley. And um, this song, uh, Lovesick, modulates, and I, I didn't know that at the time. It just felt right. And so I guess, like, the mix of, of just the songwriting and, 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 like, the modulation, they were like, they were like, okay, he's decent. He doesn't know what he's doing because, like, they gave me, like, the, you know um, – they gave me the, the sight reading exercise and I looked at it and gave it right back. I was like, I don't know how to do this. And they're like, all right. And they're like, all right, let's test your ear. And they played chords. And I was like, major, I think. And it's like, that's diminished. And I'd be like, oh, well, my bad. And um, so <laughs> on and so forth. You're honest with them with it. Yeah. But but then they, they tested my ear and would be like, can you sing pitch? And so, you know, they'd hit the note and I'd match pitch like on, on, on the spot. And, and so I didn't completely fail. And then I was very point poignant with my uh, interview questions and like they'd ask like what do you where do you see yourself and I was I'm I'm a dreamer I was like I see myself being like a staple of 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 sound like people are going to reference my music when they're like what do I want to sound like they're going to talk about me and um I love that. and I it was a it was a big dream but I think that they saw the the potential potential in me and they decided to to let me in somehow and Berkeley was uh, Berkeley's amazing, man, and I see I see actually a lot of friends coming in and out from Berkeley, and I love it. Uh, Ariel is one of the best trumpet players I've ever had the pleasure. He's yeah. the guy that actually plays I do the have trumpet. To say, I, I was yeah, I I know that I followed him, I talked to him. He is friends with my roommate that I live with in Santa Monica. Wild dude, out of small small world. world, man. It ends up being musicians. And all musicians know all musicians or something like that. It seems so funny. I love that, and that trumpet solo blew me away. Like. He's. I I stopped what I was doing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so sick. Dude, I was uh when I went home, my parents were talking about we were talking about the concert, and I was like, you guys don't realize, but like, my friends are like world class musicians. Like these guys are the people that are you know, getting hired to play for like, top tier acts. You know, like they're this isn't a joke. Yeah. And and I have the, I have the joy and and pleasure of being able to play play with them because they love me and they they like what so I do. Wonderful. So, Ariel showed up and he was dope. But um. But so Berkeley, Berkeley was a weird thing for me because 
the the level of of proficiency in the school is so high and that um like there is right. a, there's a name for something that happens at Berkeley and and it's it's like the Berkeley depression because you you just come in and you just you can't help but compare yourself and while you sort out while you sort out imagine that. it's it's insane man so while you sort out like your your life of like where do i belong where do i fit into this music world cuz you know you have these jazz like 20 year old jazz dudes that are like fucking killing it sorry pardon my language but they're just killing it out there um and and you know you show up and i was just like i wrote this one song this one time and i think it's pretty good and i like i think you'd like it too and so, so can you can you can you play this and they'd be like eyes closed one hand behind this it was so i think the first two years for me was was like really tough because because i i didn't think i belonged and um but i think the most thing that i got out of berkeley the education was obviously fantastic um but i think for for me i forgot most of it and what i what kind of stuck with me has been that my value in the music industry is that I am a damn good songwriter and 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 that that is not a common thing although it seems common there are a lot of people that can write songs that are I think missing the opportunity to really impact the people that they're singing to um beyond like a sexy rhythm or you know like I don't know like the showy production like there are people that are missing an opportunity to truly express themselves in their music and obviously that's like a, a blanket statement and, and there are incredible songwriters out there. But for me, that was like the takeaway for Berkeley. It was like, I, I, yeah. I, I deserve a spot in the music industry because I, I have a special mind designed to write music that is, is fun and interesting and catchy. And that's not very yeah. common. And honestly, so, like, so it's real, stoked, real quick, could you talk a little bit about that difference that you just talked about between a lot of people who think that they're songwriters and you like know you're a dang good songwriter yourself? Is there a difference between like, it's just like a flashy, catchy, it can be caught on the radio and it's fluff and it can get, you know, radio play beyond just something that has true right. depth and meaning and something that can emotionally connect to someone in the last 10 years, 50 right, right, right. years. I mean, I think there's no say, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the the people the people speak for for what what hits and what doesn't, right? And you can have yeah. a song like, for example, I I hope that I don't offend anyone with this, but that song "Dance Monkey" by whatever her face is, um, the, I don't know dance, monkey, dance monkey, I mean, dance monkey, dance monkey, ain't ain't that song? Oh, yeah. Move for me, move for me. That one. Um, it's like a catchy song, yeah. man. But like, I it just felt like like it didn't feel like she was saying anything man and not anything that hasn't been said before we've all like i don't know it, for me it was it yeah. it was a conflict of like the beat is catchy the melody is catchy sure but like i don't know i it, it surprised me that that song I, went as big as it did honestly but um yeah. also like the selena gomez song ice cream or something where it's just like talking about ice cream it's it's so so stupid yeah i mean but yeah, and so which is we, the weird part is that like i i get to sit here and analyze these songs and decide my opinion whether i think it's a good song or not and i think i think <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day like the people decide right and that's and that's great but for me what what makes a good song is when the artist can eloquently say something that helps the listener process something that they otherwise couldn't and like it doesn't always have to be super clever lyrics it doesn't always have to be i don't know like very traditional songwriting but but there there is a requirement as far as i'm concerned for the artist to be extremely vulnerable and i think that a lot of people are are trading glamour for vulnerability and I think that's that's the difference, and that's something that I've always carried with me in my songs is that I believe in the power of vulnerability and like in the courage it takes to be like, I fucking suck sometimes, and like, how do I sing about that? Or I broke someone's heart, and I I don't get to tell them how much that hurt me, you know, and really put yourself in these scenarios that are like very vulnerable. And and I think a lot of people like it's. I keep saying this when I go into sessions and I, I love challenging other songwriters I write with and collaborate with, but it's hands down every session I've ever had the initial, like the initial knee jerk reaction of every songwriter is like, so there's a girl and there's a guy and they meet and it's love and, uh, and it's and like, how do we tell this story in a different way? And for me, it's always like, how about we talk about love 
from a completely different perspective. Like, how do we talk about like the 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 lack of love and the heartbreak that comes from a broken society that is killing its black people? And like, how do you address that? And it can still be about love, of course. That's a topic yeah. we all relate to. But how do you talk about that? And Right. And I think what lens are you looking at love through? Exactly. And it, and it can't always be at the club looking for the girl. And I think I think that's the the problem with I think the songwriting world right now is that we are training as artists. Not me. I I'm actually going to separate myself from this because I've I've intentionally done this. I think a lot of songwriters don't realize the impact they're having on society by skipping out on vulnerability because then they're they're dumbing down a culture and a society to be like hey the world's on fire but don't look at that let's just go to the club and swerve and skirt and all this stuff and and i think it's it's unfortunate because we have a responsibility as artists whether you write top 40 pop or whether you write fucking just for your mom in your garage like if you're deciding to put something out into the world and people are going to listen to it you are an accomplice in training society how on how to like process their emotions and that's that's what music is for if you're happy you're going to listen to happy music and it's, it's going to inform you on shit and like i i think that that's where i think songwriting is either quality songwriting or it's the garbage and and, and it's the difference between showing up to the arena or buying the cheap seats you know and i yeah, yeah. i i think that's that's where I value songwriting and the value I got for myself is like, I'm putting myself out there and I'm never going to stop. Um, and I think people yeah. are still going to dance to it and people are still going to cry to it and people are like going to have yes. a goddamn good time. And that's, I think that you don't, they're not mutually exclusive, you know? Right. You can still write a banger of a beat and have all the, the dancey and the trumpet solos, the guitar slaying, the drum fills and still talk about real life stuff where people can, you can help them process their emotions right. and process their experiences and point to certain things like, hey, we need to talk about this right now. We need to know how to interact with this and have conversations with our families and make changes in our personal lives or think differently about this type of person yeah. or this situation that's going on. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, how you I decide to that. do that is, is different. I mean, there are a lot of artists out there that I truly admire for their songwriting and, and, that are doing what I dream to do as well. Um, and I, I think I think people are, are turning to them, um, you know, as for guidance as well. And like, I, I don't think society's stupid and I don't think that people can just ignore, um, you can only ignore your feelings for so long before it turns out that like you can't walk anymore because your back is frozen up because you've been holding stuff yeah. in, you know? and so. I think more and more like artists like Billie Eilish, man. Like honestly, I I used to be really mm -hmm. like like uh she's a poser or whatever. Which dude, me too. I thought the same thing. But honestly, I think she's she's changing the game, man. I think she's she's truly like speaking to a generation, and I've I've really gotten into like her lyric writing, and I think she's being vulnerable and sincere, and I think it's people hear it and they feel it, and that's why she's such a raging success success, man. Like. I don't think that she, yeah. if she were to write just love, cheap love songs, people would start leaving and being like, this isn't, this isn't what I signed up for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I listen to, uh, do you listen to Song Exploder? Or uh, seen that on yeah. I, I only watched the first episode with, uh, Dua Lipa. Okay. Well, I've, I've listened to a ton of, of the podcasts and she did an episode of that. Um, I forget the name of the song, but it's the one where she goes, I had a dream, uh, and got everything I wanted. Um, and where she's basically talking about she got everything she wanted and wanting to kill herself yeah. and would watch her through the lens of all her fans and family and everyone. And she talks about how she literally had a dream where she had that, where she threw herself off the building and uh, got to watch the aftermath of all her fans and all her people. And in her dream, everyone just went on like their normal life, like nobody cared. And just like, oh, that was that. and she talked to her brother about that and they wrote a song they were thinking about writing songs yeah they wrote a song and that song you know took them a couple of years to finish because they got in a huge fight in the middle of writing it i think because she didn't want to be as vulnerable or they so, something happened but uh that's a great song exploder episode I will, i'll have to, to check it out um, man but i think yeah, i think yeah. that's great man i think i think 
that's 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 a ticket the fact that she fought through it and then her brother had the the like audacity to be like it might seem like it's for the wrong reasons but you needing to write this as vulnerable as possible is for the right reasons and we need like the world yeah. needs to needs to hear this and i mean i don't i don't always agree that like sad songs are, are the best thing ever and and like i think that you can also be a little i don't know self-deprecating and all that stuff but regardless I, I i admire her i think she's she's at the forefront of what i think the movement is coming to where like yeah people want want real 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 topics to to sing about and to 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 feel and yeah. to dance to like dude if you get to punch right. if you get to punch dance your feelings away to a song that's actually hitting those those themes for you man it's it's yeah, it's gonna be real exactly. and the good thing i like about that song is that they brought it around to like there's hope at the end yeah. because they didn't just sit with it and just like self-deprecated and this That's is right. sad and this is I'm going to live here. Like you're saying about the underdog mentality, but like there, there's something beyond that and there is hope that you can be brought out of that. And like there is somebody who is going to be there for you and with you when you feel your worst. And because of that person, like it's worth it to stay around. Chin chin, man. Uh, and, like bring in that hope. Like she brought in that encouragement to tell Correct. other people, like no, using your vulnerability and then encouraging others with that. Yeah, man. We have, we really truly so, have a, resp- a responsibility as artists, man. And I think I think people that sign up to make music, laptop music at home, don't realize what they're signing up to. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a difference between home musicians, and uh, I don't want to say true artists, but artists that last and make an impact um so let's stop talking about other people's songs and let's right. talk about your songs let's do it that's why you're here uh, <laughs> <laughs> um yeah man you've your two songs that are out and like i said the next song coming out bilingual uh touch on some very important topics that our nation is uh has been having for some time but has become a lot more mainstream today um right and I think my my question that I had for you is what made motivated you to write these songs, and I think we've kind of talked about that for the last twenty minutes or so. Uh, but is there any more specific reasons that you could talk about what motivated you to write yeah. on these topics? Yeah, I mean it goes it goes along with a lot of what we were just talking about. But you know what, I I, I want to preface this by saying that uh, Mal 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 started off as a project that I just wanted to put out songs that I I I've, I've written before for Nightlights or for Wolfside or for whatever project and they they got shut down and I was like these are still good songs and I can't be the only one that thinks that so I started writing and, and I finished the first my first EP and I was gonna put it out but then I was like you know what I'm, I'm gonna wait till I know exactly what I want to do with this so that I put it out the right way and you know whoever really wants to like whoever it wants to reach yeah. can actually re- be reached and um in that waiting process uh I wrote down, I had like, I have like a little whiteboard back there and I had a bunch of names of songs that I really wanted to write uh, for the next EP. So I was planning the second EP to be like, okay, I want to stay ahead of the curb, you know, new year, it's going to be great. This was in January of 2020 and, um, and mouth breather was on there. And I, 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 you know, I told my, my girlfriend at the time, like, Hey, like, um, I want to write the song Mouth Breather. I keep waking up with a really sore throat and I don't know what's what's going on. And this was before the pandemic hit and I was like, I don't know exactly what I want the song to be about. But then the pandemic hit and, and it all kind of hit home for me when, when you know we were all wearing face masks. And I don't know about you, man, but I have a really hard time consistently breathing through my nose. Either it gets stuffy or yeah. whatever. And so I end up breathing through my mouth and then it just it clicked for me and I was like, this this is what the song wanted to be about. Um like it's it's a song about the pandemic and navigating rights and wrongs that are now seem gray like when do you put like you know there's people that cheat when they put their face masks on because they can't breathe through their nose so they put out their nose and so it's yeah. it's it's it's, it's it became like a like a societal thing that you know it's a sign of respect to wear a face mask and so it kind of becomes a sign of respect to become a mouth breather um and and I I was like I have to put the song out during this thing. I think I think I, I this is the time to do it. And my and my dad even wrote me. Yeah. He kept sending me songs like look at what other art, artists are doing. And he'd send me these songs of like I can't wait to touch you again someday and like oh the distance we have to live through. And I was like dad, that's not me, dude. I'm not going to do that. 
right, then Mouth Breather right. was like, I, I do, I do want to write a song about the pandemic, but it's not going to be this cheesy piano music about like, oh, the day that I walk outside and I get to touch another person. <laughs> um, right, that hope. It's it's such an that's such an easy song to write. That is seems like that would be the first idea for someone to write on. Right. You know what? And it's not even it's not deeper than that. Not to shit on them, man, because I think I think an artist will write you know what what they feel but for me it was it was much deeper and then yeah. black lives matter stuff started happening and i was like i'm a i'm a mexican white looking dude in america that's that that doesn't know where i fit in to this pandemic and to this country and how do i make money and i'm i like yeah. and how do i how do i stand up for something that's that i see going wrong and so mouth breather just came together as this kind of like the chaos of 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 the pandemic uh kind of like an, an an anthem for me which was to remind myself that like you know the, the chorus was very much so about like um about joining up with with the protests and 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 like and ha- can't I, I i have i have too much love in my lungs to to not to not speak out about this stuff and um and you know the megaphones and oxygen bombs kind of signifying the the protests and and like just like the the verbal like shouting and uni- unity that comes with with being in a protest and then um then the the kind of unifying factor that we we're all there and everyone was wearing a face mask and like and you know yeah. we were we were all respectfully standing and it was it was just like this really cool moment for me to be like this this is this is going to mark my pandemic at least like this yeah. is how i lived the first two months of the pandemic or three months or whatever. And so it was, it was like, I was like, I need, this needs to be the first song I put out because who knows if the pandemic is going to be a thing in 2021. Now we know it is, but back then <laughs> I, I did it. And, uh, we, we didn't know. exactly. Yeah. And, uh, then, then, uh, as you know, the, the next song was by, uh, not bilingual. It was, it was heartbreak police. And, uh, that was also because of, of the continued violence. And then, I, I felt like mouth breather wasn't really specifically about that. It was more so about me and my experience in, in, in the pandemic. And so I got together with the guy that drummed for mouth breather. We were like, we should write a song together. And I just couldn't think of anything else, man. It was, it just, it was all that consumed I mean, my I mean, mind. How, how could you think of anything else? It was all everything that consumed. Yeah, it was, it was all consumed. Conversation and media and it, it forced us to face the realities of what's going on in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And what, yeah, it forced us to have a choice where like I'm gonna turn a blind eye to this and just like go back to normal, which is what we all wanted to do in the pandemic is just get back to normal and not move through and grow and face things in ourselves. Right, and and and, and then the Black Lives Matter, like the police brutality, kept going, and then there was violence, and then there was opposition, yeah. and so it was just all I thought about, man. And the the complicated thing is that um so the guy the guy that I wrote it with his name is Kurt, Curtis Kelly and he uh he's a fantastic drummer and uh he he actually performed with me on 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 uh the radio That's live show sweet. yeah right on fire records um but then uh then we were talking about him and we were like I don't want to step on any toes man like I feel like the people that need to be speaking firsthand about this are are the black community and like I don't want to step on any black artists and their perspective or want to take up any space in that but, like, but I can't not say something like if I would look back in, in when I'm 40 or 45 and have kids and like looking back what I did as an artist in a, in like in a very pivotal time and what I stood for I was like I, I want to know for a fact that I I did everything I could to speak to a public about a really complicated thing and we didn't know how to yeah. tackle man we didn't know how to tackle that beast because it's like lyrically it's like how can you address something so so complicated without where do you begin talking about that so it took us a long time and that song took us like two months to write and it was a lot of rewrites and a lot of like we we, we got the heartbreak police like that was the first the first thing we got and i was like i really like the concept of that but like i don't know what i want yeah. it to be i don't know what the lyrics should be um but when we came up with the, you know, the light up the sirens, is there anybody else to call? That was like, that's it. It's, it's the problem is who do I call that isn't going to, you know, kill someone yeah, um, yeah. and, and right, who, right. who polices the police. And so that kind of became the theme of the song. And, and I'm actually really, really proud of it, man. We both are that, that song I think came out exactly the way that I think it had to like we 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 towed a fine line in in a very honest sincere vulnerable way that yeah 
I think I think when people give it a chance, they'll 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 really be moved by it. Um, it is a little it is a little harder to palate, I think, than Mouth Breather. Mouth Breather is just a happy song, and it's really easy to just get into it, and it's weird and stands out in a playlist. And I think Heartbreak Police has its own charm, but I think it's definitely a little easier uh, to confront to feel confronted by uh, a song like like Heartbreak Police and. Honestly, we we kind of we took a yeah. big risk with it because you know it's a second song and mm-hmm. and it's kind of like a a really meaty heavy topic. Um, but right. but I'm really well, proud. You of... guys nailed it on the head. You rode that line of not going too far one way or the other, but really just speaking to the feelings that are out there. And like like you said, like who do you call besides the police and the feelings of that? And it breaks your heart and. Uh, yeah, you got you guys did a fantastic job with that song, and I, when I heard it, and listened to it over and over again, uh, yeah, I I just felt like you guys did a really wonderful job with putting words to, uh, your position and your place without stepping on anyone's toes, and just shining a spotlight where there needed to be a spotlight. Thanks, uh, man. And at least have a song where it can begin the conversation for others, um, to talk more in depth about it. Because if you write a song, you can you can only shine a light and you can only say so much. And uh, as an artist, you want your art to um, inspire conversation and make people question what you mean when you say, you know, you have your lyrics in there. One hundred percent. And you can talk more about it in com- in conversation like this, in interviews, um, and stuff like that. Yeah, and I'm I'm honestly yeah. like a. I I wanted it to be a little more controversial to be honest. I, I wanted people to be really moved, and I I think it will be. I mean, I'm still just a baby band, and and I love yeah. I love seeing a lot of fans that I've connected with on here, man. But um, I think I think the more it grows, the more that's gonna happen, where people are maybe gonna feel like a little stirring inside of them, and and it's gonna confront a lot of stuff that. I'd love to have the conversation with a man. Honestly, I'd love to. I've been dreaming of the day that one of them messages me and is like, "What do you mean by like heartbreak police? Are you like, are you not pro blue labs and you know when and or whatever it is?" Yeah. And for me to have this deep conversation with him is like, I want to know what your position is and I want to talk about it. Um, yeah. So I'm excited about that, That's man. It's gonna happen cool. one day. That's great. Well, then uh, that leaves us with the your next song that's coming out. Oh, yeah. Do you have a release date for that song? Yes. Uh, so Bilingual is going to be the next song we put out. I put out. I keep thinking I'm, a, I'm in a band. But um, <laughs> next song I'm putting out is called uh, Bilingual, and it's uh, it's coming out February 5th. So in, in just yeah. two, three weeks, it's going to be out. And honestly, it's it's a, it's a banger of a song, man. It's an angry, mm-hmm. angry, uh, fun, drivey, like... Dancey song. It's it's gonna be really cool, man. I think people are gonna are gonna love it, and will this is one of those songs that you can like punch dance to and just like be like, yeah. I'm angry, you know. <laughs> so, I'm excited about uh, it. Get it out. Get it out, yeah. man. When you when you played it at the live stream, it it uh, you know, it was it was awesome, and I could hear that through it. And when I listened to it again, you know, in preparing for this interview, yeah, it definitely brought up some uh some angry feelings of, you know how do I speak to these people? How do I talk to these both sides where nobody's willing to listen? Nobody's willing to translate. Exactly, uh, man. What the other side is saying. Exactly. And it's really hard to, man. I mean, I mean, I, I consider myself a, a professional communicator, man. Like I, I think as a songwriter, I spend so much time thinking of how to address something. And, and w- even when I, in conversations, like I'm genuinely curious, you know, and so like I, I'll ask questions and I won't judge or try my best not to, you know, and, um, and I mean, I'm also very, very sheltered. Uh, like I don't, I don't know a lot of people in crazy oppositions. Everyone I know is pretty much like left of center, but they're not extreme, you know? And so mm-hmm. they, they have their heads on their head. They're critical thinkers. They're people that, that contemplate a lot. And, and, and so, uh, I only had one crossing with someone and, and they were someone really close to my ex and, um, and it was we we have these really respectful conversations about about the the current president and um and you know i'm 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 from a different country and so like i guess for me it's like all this all these topics come from a purely observational social uh obser- like just perspective i guess and so i i find it so interesting that someone can be so passionate about 
a person that they truly believe out of fear for the opposite to be the savior of a country. And so it, it was, it, we had these really healthy conversations and I, I, I felt like I was asking the right questions and I felt like I was, you know, challenging, you know, the person appropriately. And, and, and even still like the, the, there's, there's a point I think with critical thinkers where they feel challenged and they'll stop and they'll think, you know, and I think, I think when someone doesn't know exactly what they stand for, they panic and, and it's, it's funny because I think they use the same tactics that, that Trump does. And so they'll, they'll just divert with a, a different thing. And so right, it was right. mostly focused on that. I guess the song came inspired by my conversations specifically with a Trump supporter. But in that conversation, I also discovered that there's, you know, the same and the opposite, you know, like the, the extreme left of people that, that are just, you know, um, just radical in any way. And, yeah. and I, I guess for me, it just, uh, the song initially was going to be like a, the Spanglish song and I just got to be like, um, I got two cultures in me and, and then somehow it just it just be like, I need to sing about this. I need I need to sing about the fact that America is speaking English, but there are so many different languages happening right now and nobody's willing to to like learn the language of the other person to bridge a gap. And I think I think yeah. that's so essential. Um yeah. so the song is about that frustration of just being like, I we need to, someone needs to figure out how to speak to each other because like it, this will turn violent. And it's not going to happen if nobody points it out that we're speaking two different things. We're talking about two different subjects. Yeah. We're having two different ideas that don't need to be mutually exclusive. Right. Right. Cause in the end, in the end you can have a political opinion without it defying, defining who you are. Right. Like, 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 I was talking about this actually to a friend today where it was like, I think if everyone was a critical thinker, they could actually decide I am in support of this person for this and this and this reason, but I don't like this and this and this. And like, we can agree on that. And, and it's like, and, and then I can be like, ah, well you like chocolate ice creams. It's the worst, but I like, I like vanilla. And, and we can just, just like, it's, it's another opinion that you get to have and carry with you as like part of your personality, but it isn't who you are. And I think right now the problem right. is that people are using it as a definition of who they are. And that yes. is, that is dangerous, man, because that's, then that's where we get super dangerous because, because the problem is that when I, when I say like what, what you're saying is, is wrong or what, you know, here, here are the reasons why your opinion isn't being supported instead of being like, yeah, it's my opinion and I don't care that much about it. They're like, you're you're it's debunking you're it's debunking me exactly and so how can you not get so mad and so the the song is in that frustration of just like like please listen when i say that like we desperately need to figure out how to communicate and so it's an angry song yeah. and it's it's great i honestly i i doubt that some some like i doubt that it's going to actually bring about any like person in opposition to be like um I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, yeah. Well, with you saying that, do you, do you think, I mean, I, I'm not asking you to have any answers, but do you have any suggestions or thoughts on how we can stand in the gap and be translators? Yes. I, I think, I truly believe that the best way to communicate sometimes isn't by saying your opinion. It is by asking a lot of questions and having the mentality of a curious person that is just like, I want to get to the heart of why you think it. Cause I think at, at the end of the day, if you're able to separate yourself, cause guess what? You have an opinion. Great. You get to, yeah. you get to know that and you get to live with that and you get to be like, mm, this is my opinion. I love it so much. But, but you, you hold that and then say, I want to know yours. And I think when you actually approach a conversation with the curiosity without getting offended or attached, it gives you the opportunity to truly see what's behind the ideas. And at the, at the end of the day, like what I found out with this person was that like, it's a terrifying, it's like a, it's like a, what's it like a, a fear, a paralyzing fear of actually losing the country that they love. And, and where that idea came from is what you need to address so that, right. so that you can separate the man from the fear and be like, you are allowed to be scared of that. Of course you are, but that cannot be attached to this one person. Like, the, the, it, right. you know, and, and, and then you can actually start addressing some of the stuff 
after you're like, oh, I see, I see why you believe this. I can empathize and connect with that because we all have fears, right? Like I yes. feared Trump because I, I think he's a terrifying person. I really think he could have been like a dictator and could have really hurt the country. And that's my belief. And I get to say that without hopefully stepping on any toes. But, but at the end of the day, like that's, that's my fear. And until somebody understands that fear, they won't be able to speak the same language. And so I think, I think there needs to be like a very deep, deep rooted curiosity in people. And I think that's the language we're not learning to speak because it comes from a place of my opinion is more important than yours. And it is who I am as opposed to being like, okay, you, you see your opinion is who you are. Who are you? How can I get to know that so we can address this thing? Yes. So, I don't oh, say man. that specifically in the song. The song is just a very, like, ah, wow. I mean, how can you say that in a song, though? That's a challenge, man. I mean, I'm supposed to some way. Yeah. That's the challenge of it. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of did say it topics. by saying, like, we need to learn to speak the same language. That was kind of the thing, so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Mal, we've nearly hit an hour. Ah. And... <laughs> I felt like I could talk to you forever about these <laughs> topics and things. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for being on this Instagram live and being on this, my first interview for our podcast. Um, before we go, I have a couple questions I want to ask every guest. Um, being we're interested in music, talking about music, some, some lighthearted ways to end the, end the conversation. Um, what are three things that you are consuming right now? Books, podcasts, TV shows? Oh man, I'm, I've been obsessing with Brene Brown, who is this fantastic uh, psychological, uh, she's a social psychologist who studies shame, and it is a fan, I recommend it, I think it's like a, the foundation of how we should communicate with each other, so Brene Brown's great. I love it. Also been watching her Netflix special, so I'm reading her stuff and watching her stuff. She has a Netflix special, yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's I called A that. Call to Courage, and it's fantastic, man, I really think if if you need a little bit of uh, self-awareness and if you get nothing else out of this interview it's go watch go watch Brene Brown's special on A Call to Courage and may it free you from a lot of your shame Um, and uh, I mean I love The Mandalorian been watching that a bunch Uh, WandaVision just came out so I've been enjoying that was good Um, so great yeah, uh, books. I've I've been I read a lot of sci-fi stuff, man. So it's been it's been a uh, daring greatly by Brene Brown, and I've been reading this book uh, called We Are Legion, We Are Bob, which is hilarious and super <laughs> awesome. That sounds wild. It is oh it is God. a wild book. I wish I got to tell you about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's that's, uh, so that's been kind of what what I've been consuming. And music wise, I mean, it's it's I'm actually listening to a lot of old stuff. Occasionally, I listen to like new stuff. Here's what I I think it sucks. I need to pay more attention to who I'm listening to because there's some really good artists out there, and I I'll I'll I'll, I'll make a note to like remember they're their like, names. You're like this song is great, but then you're already in the middle of doing something. I'm driving, yeah, yeah. Right? I'm driving, and I'm I'm yeah. just and I'll exactly. save I'll save it to a playlist, and and I I if you guys have Apple Music, I, you can always follow my playlist. I I have like one for every year. I have new music in 2019, 20, 2020, and 2021. So I, I love it. I love it. Uh, we'll we'll put a link for. A link for those playlists in the uh, description so people can uh, can check those out. Yeah, man. And, uh, and with that, I'm I'm always looking for new artists. I'm always looking to give a platform to new artists. Yeah, man. So, so, is there is there one or two new artists that you really want to give a shout out to that you've been really digging? That, yes. That you've just discovered recently. Man, um, this band called Mob Rich, um, that is. Mob Rich. Mob Rich. Or Mob, Mob Rich. They used to be Moby Rich, but they had to change it because. Moby sued them. <laughs> oh my gosh! Come on. Yeah. Okay. So they're now Mobridge, and their music is fantastic, man. They're they're actually really good friends, and and I've they're one of my biggest inspirations. Um, Write that down. Yes, Mobridge is incredible. Um, Illuminati Hotties is great. She's a really good, fun Berkeley grad as well. She's so fun and awesome. Def- yeah, I think a few few people uh, I I I follow uh, play with her. Yeah, dude, that, she's great. That circuit. She's just oh she's just God. this quirky like like really creative great songwriter who who does like very quirky indie rock and I really recommend her. St- it's so sweet. Yeah. It's so cool. Uh, dang. Yeah, I got some more artists, but we we can talk about that eventually. Can talk for, I I I can talk about new artists <laughs> and everything recently, but it's it's great. Oh my gosh. Um. Okay. One last thing before you go. Uh, what what do you what plans do you have for twenty twenty one? 
Uh, yes. where, where can people find you? What's coming up next? Uh, give us all the plugs for your for yeah, man. Uh, so most most of my socials are Mao 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 Music. My email is Mao 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 Official. So don't confuse it. Um, you can find me on any platform as Mao Mao Mao. That's M A U M A U M A U. Um, go listen to my songs, man. Support that. Uh, Bilingual's coming out February fifth. Stoked on that. But then I have a full year plan of music with uh, two singles after Bilingual and then an EP. It's gonna be called Meow Meow Meow, which is hilarious. Meow like cat. Meow meow meow. Yeah. <laughs> That's wonderful. And then love, uh, love the wordplay. <laughs> dude, all my all my I've decided that all my uh, all my albums are gonna be puns of my name, so it's gonna it's gonna be fun. <laughs> I've decided That's that. Really I noticed. I noticed on Facebook when you put up the lyrics for Mouth Breather, you did M A U T H. <laughs> I'll do so that every good. now and then. I think it's hilarious, man. Um. I, th- I think it's amazing. Yeah, and... Uh, Keeps it fun. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be a full year of music. I, I think I'll, I'll be putting out two EPs by the end of the year. Um, and the, the EP, if you haven't heard it, is a uh, freaking... It's like a freaking... <clears throat> it's, it's how, how many songs are we getting on the EP? Five songs, and they're all, they're all like heart, heart, heart throbs. I don't know. They're all great. They're all fantastic. Okay. Yes, I am so pumped. I'm so excited. Dang. Well, Mao, thank you so much for being part of this. Thanks uh, for having me. Ch- chatting with me about all the things. You are an incredible human. Thank you, dude. I appreciate <laughs> sweet, that. Sweet. You have a good night, my man. You too. I'll, Thanks I'll, for I'll tuning later, in, later. guys. I appreciate it. That was Mao Mao Mao. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And since that interview, Mao has gone on to release his EP, Meow Meow Meow, in May of 2021. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, and pretty much anywhere that you listen to your tunes. He's also released a few different music videos, so we will have links to all of those in this episode's description, as well as links to Mob Rich, Illuminati Hotties, and my music recommendation for the week, Wildcat Wildcat's album No Moon At All. Special thanks to Ed Russick and Johnny Lemons for creating the music that you heard in this episode. Thanks for listening to Luke Has a Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and we'll be back next week with another one. If you want to stay connected with the show, you can follow me on social media at Luke Has Podcast. That's Luke Has Podcast. There's no A. Or you can send an email to Luke Has a Podcast at gmail.com. Gmail allowed us to have that extra letter in there, so you can send us an email that way. Well, if you made it this far, you deserve what's coming next. That little treat that I told you about at the beginning of the show in a segment I like to call Between Two Cheeks. I've been Luke, and you'll hear from me next week. One time it was uh, during around high school prom. 2011 for me. <laughs> and then... 2011. 2011. And then Luke, me and Luke, I didn't go to prom because I was a loser, but I have friends that were having parties after prom. And Luke was with us, and we were in the car waiting for parties to start. But then we had our... We, I remember it was a fun night, Your though, because we, we, park, we parked a car in front of somewhere, and we had the headlights going crazy, and Luke was dancing in front of the headlights. Just, oh it, was a, it was a fun night. Yeah, but Luke had to go poop. Yeah, I had to go poop poop after all that body movement. It just like, oh my god! (laughs) And what's awesome is uh, we were in his dad's truck, and his dad had toilet paper in the car. It was awesome. He did. Hey, buddy, I got toilet paper for you. (laughs) Great. You never know when you're gonna need it. That's true, though. That is true. (laughs) Disgusting. Stop. (laughs) No, but you you find somewhere to go, right? You you find somewhere, and if you can't go, you have to go. You fi- but the homeboy <laughs> over here, he found a wall. I want to say it was in That's the middle of an intersection, right kind of, but it wasn't. It, it was behind a Rouse, I think, or uh, a CBS. Uh, uh, I don't know, right? but I remember it being somewhere like in a neighborhood. It was like Seal Beach, kind of. Dude goes against the wall, leans his back up against the wall. <laughs> do a wall sit. You know, a little low wall sit. Oh, wall sit, yeah, yeah. Get, get a little bit of thigh <laughs> workout. Have at it, dude. Uh, it took me off. I was like, whoa. It was funny, though. Yeah. Sound effect for the day.